Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is A Vague Idea. It's a comedy trivia podcast. I'm Nate Regolia, and each week, we subject our guests to a list of topics to find out if they have a vague idea. And this week, we are going to be talking about something with two wheels and a whole lot of heart. But not real heart, just gears and stuff. We're talking about bicycles and bike stuff. It's going to be great. And we're going to do that with a really excellent returning guest who you all would remember from this show for many, many episodes, many, many episodes ago. He is a bike guy. He is a, uh, I mean, you're, you, you are a bona fide cyclist, I would say. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, you, you like ride your bike to most things in your life. So I think that counts. Yeah, it means a lot to me, I guess. Hell yeah. Yeah, you have a passion for it. That's a meaning, uh, an embraced passion. You know him. You love him. It's John Peros. John, welcome back to the podcast. Ah, oh, gee, thanks. I'm so happy to be here. I should have also said, I know him and I love him because I do. And it's really great to see you again, to have you on the show. Oh, no, that's just superfluous. I know. That's that's what I <laughs> look. Isn't this entire show superfluous? I think that's kind of the, that was sort of the idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's the point. It's not <laughs> it's not supposed to be anything. <laughs> so, John, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about bike stuff. You know about bike stuff um, uh, to win this episode when there's only one guest, you have to score 20 points or death itself will come for you and drag you uh, into the abyss of non-existence. Uh, I'm pretty much expecting that anyway, but thanks. Cool. Okay. Well, it'll just be a little earlier if, uh, <laughs> if you can't score 20 points tonight, but oh, the earlier, the better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's, uh, let's hop in. I've got an opening question for you. Pretty basic. If you could be any kind of bicycle, what kind would you want to be? Um, wow, that's that's a broad question because there's as many bi- types of bicycles as types of people, I think. That's what I'm saying. So, like, I mean, this is, so, this is either introspective about who John thinks John is or it's uh, who John would aspire to be in the form of a bicycle. Hmm. Or maybe you want to be an evil bicycle. So, I don't know, I guess like a... I don't know. How about like recumbent like, bike? How about like a like a penny farthing or something like that? Okay. I, I kind of like the idea of like a fixed gear bike. That was my first thought. Cause just the simplicity, the sort of elemental nature of it. But you know, a penny farthing is like the most simple of fixed gear bicycles. Um plus you get that fun big wheel in the front. Yeah. And it really hurts when you fall off of them. Oh yeah, no, no kidding. Cause and I feel like that's me like sort of like a lot of times like riding on high and like it's like this death defying act um but like a slip at any moment and you know it's it's more injury than insult it's a it's a metaphor for the the tenuous sort of circumstance of existence at this time and place oh you know shadow boxing anyway yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay uh what kind of bike do you think i would be just uh, oh, whatever. That's a good like, question. You can be uh, feel fr- take as many shots as you want. If I'm, I don't know. I don't know what the worst kind of bike is to be, but I, uh, you know, I kind of see you as like a Dutch bike. Okay. Okay. The, like so, you've got like uh, you know, you've got a chain, two similar size wheels, and then you'll have like a like a chain case around. So like, um, this basically means there's almost like no maintenance to it. 
um, and the bike just, you, all you got to do is pedal it. Um, it's usually one gear. I think sometimes I'll put like a, you know, an internally geared hub on them that are very low maintenance. You know, you can go up and down any hills, but I think I love this bike because it pedals every day. It doesn't matter what it is. It gets out there and, and takes you where you're going, no matter what is going to happen. And that's how I see you, Nate. I think like, especially with your practice, um, of like anything creative and you have a lot of them, obviously you're a man of many talents, but the way that you just go out there every day and do it, like it takes a very special kind of bike that just like never lets you down. And I feel like a Dutch bike is a good example of that. That's, that's an incredibly sweet thing to say. Thank you, John. I was gonna, I was gonna make a joke that you thought I was invincible, but you, what you really think is something way more sincere and wonderful. So yeah. Um, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm deeply honored by that. And you know what? I, can I get a Dutch bike? Is that something that I can just acquire or is that like a, a bygone concept? So Dutch bikes are kind of interesting. Now you can still get them. You'd have to import one from, um, you know, from the Netherlands probably mm-hmm. or, or uh, Denmark, I bet. Um, and I haven't really looked into them too closely. Every once in a while, you'll see a customer every once in a while being very rarely, like a couple of times have I seen them walk into the shop. Um, they're, they're really unique. They have their own size wheel, inner tube, tire. Um, like oftentimes the valve on the valve stem is like something you don't see on a modern bike. Like, um, they're very unique, um, but their purpose in transportation, um, and it's not, I hope you wouldn't take this the wrong way. Maybe this isn't even like apt for the metaphor, but it's not showy. It's not anything but just like dead solid reliable yeah no that's okay i don't yeah. mind and, i, I don't think i'm anything to look at you, you, i mean <laughs> i just get the, stuff done maybe the metaphor doesn't go that far <laughs> but what i would say is that um uh you could probably get one but what i'm saying is basically this is a three thousand dollar like single speed you know tank of a bike right yeah yeah i'm into it I, yeah. I may just have to sink that money into one. That sounds, that sounds heavenly. Well, don't go too far off the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, I'm going to give you eight points for the opening question. That was, that was an excellent answer. And, uh, and you buttered up the host. I really like that. So eight points. You only need 12 more points to not be killed. Eight, point, eight points for that? Eight points. Yeah, yeah. You were that nice. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you ready for round number one? I guess, one? Di- you know, what is it? Uh, uh, time makes the heart grow fonder or something? Yeah, d- distance. Distance. Yeah. yeah, which we have both. We have distance and time, which I think is velocity. Yeah. Yeah. It's some sort of vector. Vector, vector, Victor. Okay, anyway. All right. <laughs> round number one. Hey, John, do you have a vague idea about 29ers? Mm. It's a vague idea. Very great. Talk about it. Tell us about 29ers. Oh, yeah. Um, So 29ers uh, was sort of a revolution in wheel size for mountain bikes. Um, And what they decided to do was instead of making mountain bikes with the small wheel, um, as was uh, the course of mountain biking for, uh, you know, since it had started, um, you know, back in the 1980s, 
uh, with a 26 inch wheel, they decided to make uh, mountain bikes with um, the same diameter wheel as um, would be used for road cyclists and just put, you know, mountain bike tire on that. Um, diameter of a 29er um, wheel is, bead seat diameter is 622 millimeters. And uh, basically they did this uh, and, and, and through, you know, riding these 29ers, they realized that the way that these wheels carried their momentum um, was, you know, much better um, than 26 inch wheel. A lot of the boilerplate talks about like, you know, approach angles for, you know, right angle um, uh, bumps and things like that. And basically it just, carries this momentum and gets over things a little bit easier. Um, I'm trying to think back to who, maybe who first did it. it might have been like a Gary Fisher type thing. That might not have been the very first 29er, but it was sort of early in the um, development of those, um, I would say. Um, yeah, um, yeah. That was really... for full credit or should I keep going? Oh, no. I mean, you, if you want to keep going, you can. This is really interesting. I'm just like, you You just like checked every box. Gary Fisher okay. and Charlie yeah. Kelly developed the prototype. You gave the exact millimeters of the <laughs> interior diameter of the wheel. Uh, and yeah, it's, it, it is. It's interesting that you go to these 29-inch wheels, you get just, it like widens that wheelbase just slightly enough, like the reach and everything. And uh, And I don't exactly understand the physics of it, but you can you can sort of grasp the idea that it's better to so have imagine this like you've got like a square um rock that you're gonna try to ride up and over um the smaller the wheel um is like if you think about the diameter of the wheel um and it usually will probably you know be like this the bigger the diameter is the uh the less sort of angular velocity it takes to get up and over the same size bump Sure. So the, you know, the wheel doesn't have to rotate as much. Um, so it's not slowed down as much um, by those bumps. Okay, great. I love it. Um, I'm going to give you three points. I'm going to give you three points for that. Uh, they're also called two niners. Two niners. Have you heard two niners before? Uh, yep. Two niner. And this was also because um, there were uh, like six niners too. Um which uh, paired a 29 inch wheel with a 26 in the back. And now we get MX wheel, MX uh, platform bikes that do big wheel in front 29 and 27.5 in the back um, to kind of give it the playfulness of a short wheelbase bike with, you know, the uh, trail attacking capabilities of a big wheel. Interesting. Huh. I didn't even think that you could like mix that up, but I guess with two wheels, it doesn't really matter. And cars also will have sometimes smaller wheels in the front, larger in the back for uh, funny cars or whatever. It's wild, wild stuff. So yeah, three points. Uh, let's do a round number two. Do you have a vague idea, John, about a dandy horse? Uh, I'm going to take a stab at it, but I don't know exactly if I remember that term. I think a dandy horse is actually, um, uh, uh, it's a bike without a drivetrain. It's two wheels and you sit on the saddle and you pedal with your feet like a strider. We would call it a strider bike for a little kid, but um, they called them, I'm trying to think what the, like the technical name is for that. It's sort of a, 
um, it's on the tip of my tongue. There's a name for it, like uh, for a striding type of bike like that. Yeah. 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 I can't quite um, come up with it though. So yeah, Dandy Horse, uh, which <laughs> it's also a Lauf machine in German. Uh, Velocipede. Velocipede. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Or a, a Drazien. I don't know if you've ever heard Drazien. Uh, but yeah, it is it is effectively like a wooden hobby horse with two wheels on it. And you have uh, you have a steering control on the front wheel and you just move your feet. You Flintstone it <laughs> to, yeah. to make the bike go. And you just, I guess, coast is the idea. Like you get some momentum going, you coast and then you get some more momentum going. This is like on display, like kids these days learn on Strider bikes, which is basically just um, one of these velocipedes. Um, and they're um, they're remarkable because kids take to them better than they do, um, you know, a bike with a drivetrain and two, you know, stabilizing kind of teetery uh, training wheels. And oftentimes kids will choose these things even when they're big enough and capable enough to pedal a bike, they'll like, once they've gotten the hand of a strider, you should see them zipping around. You got, I don't know if you can splice some video in on like these kids, like zooming around on, on striders. It's basically like these hobby horses. That's, that's really cool. Cause like, I, yeah, I, you would imagine that if you're learning balance, the best way to do that is to sort of give you control over balance rather than put you in a position where it's like, okay, to learn how to ride this bike, you have to sacrifice all of your control to the ground by putting your feet up here. And then you, you have to trust that you're going to kind of crash back and forth on training wheels, which, you know, yeah, it's a traumatic experience. Well, maybe not traumatic, but it's certainly not fun when you're a little kid to feel like you're falling over all the time. It's been a revolution, like, cause even kids our age um, and maybe even I would say the next generation maybe didn't have that advantage, but then the Strider came along and it's this super lightweight thing compared with like a bike with training wheels. It weighs yeah. like a third the weight or something. It's so pretty, a kid can actually manage it too. They can like, manage it. They can drop it. They can fall on it. It's very low stakes. But what I think is kind of fascinating about it is it's sort of you know, that idea of phylogeny recapitulates ontogeny as the development of the bike, right? Like we started with these like hobby horses or these velocipedes before we put a drivetrain on and that's how the kids learn it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause it's, it's, there was an effective basic, there was a, there was a, a an alpha that worked that was interesting. Right. And people liked it. It worked. This is a 19th century, uh, the dandy horse. So we're talking like 1817. This was patented in France. Um, you have something that does the job and then you just keep kind of iterating to make it better. But you don't think that you should go back and give like a person who's never seen it before, give them the one that did the job in the first place. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, I'm going to give you two points. So you're at 13 total now. You're doing, you're doing great. Like this is really death. Death itself is uh just choking, choking on your dust, trying to, trying to catch up. I mean, don't, don't build my confidence too much. I'm likely to blow it. If, uh, <laughs> if I go into it thinking that, you know, right, right. We want, yeah. If we make this, if we make this too easy, then the pressure mounts. <laughs> Plus uh, we're going to play our first game, John. And I don't know that you've ever played this before. We're going to play. I see what you did there. 
And uh, I See What You Did There is a game that uh, is everyone's favorite game, except for the people who are playing it, because I'm going to give you some uh, convoluted clues mashed together, and you're going to give me an answer based on those. It's basically like Before and After from, uh, from Wheel of Fortune, or like kind of some of the potpourri Jeopardy games. So uh, I'm going to give you a couple clues. You'll see what I do. You're, you're going to conjure something up in my mind, and then I'm going to try to give you like some what is it like a like a phrase or like a like okay yeah yeah you'll you'll see it it's it's gonna be great you're gonna love it we're gonna start with a really uh probably difficult one but then it'll get it'll get easier and then maybe a little harder but this is this is gonna be fun okay john number one connect this publicly owned chinese bicycle company with the tennessee town where dollywood is located (laughs) <laughs> publicly traded so there's a publicly owned chinese publicly bike owned company chinese yeah bike company so that's part one and then uh-huh. part two is the tennessee town where dollywood is located oh i, I don't think i know either one of those that's, i thought that's you funny. might know the chinese yeah. bike company but if you don't like it's kind of hard to go I, the other I way might, around I, when you say it i might have known what it was but i don't know exactly all right um the bike company is Flying Pigeon. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. And uh, Flying Pigeon has sold 4 billion bicycles or something. Like, it's it it's the most sold bikes by any company ever. Wow, that's amazing. I yeah. didn't know about that. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Um, I might it might not have been 4 billion, but I feel like it is. I feel like it is 4 4 billion with a B. Uh my it's God. really a, a cool logo too. Like I would really, I would love, I would love to get one somehow, but I'm sure it's illegal to buy a, a flying pigeon bike for some reason. Um, the, the location of Dollywood is Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. So the, what I was going for was flying pigeon forge. Okay. Yeah. Now I see how the game works. Anyway. Yeah. You see what I did there. I see what you did there. I'm going to give you a point because you hadn't played before. And that's, that's how we do. That's how we do the show. Okay. So number two, it seems reasonable that James Bond's longtime executive assistant would ride a custom of this classic big wheel, little wheel bike. Oh, yeah. Uh, money, penny, farthing. You see what I did there? Very I good. Yeah. Did that. I got to say penny, that first. <laughs> you got it. You got it. All right. This is great. We're going to do number three. You're just going to keep knocking points down. This is, this is awesome. All right. Number three. Y'all going to make this rapper lose his mind up in here by stealing his collection of dirt track single speeds. Um, so we need. Oh, who's uh, saying? yeah. Um, DMX bikes. What is it? Well, uh, OK, you, 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 see, I, what I I'm, you see what I'm doing. DMX BMX bikes. Yeah, yeah, it's DMX's BMX's. DMX's That's what I was going DMX's. for. But yeah, Got you it. saw yeah, what yeah. I did there. Yeah. I see what you did there. Oh, yeah. yeah. DMX's BMX's. Okay. And number four, this is it. Four is the last one. And then and then we're moving on. You'll get tangled up wearing this robe or tunic-like dress that sounds like your lower legs got some sun while riding this vehicle built for two. So I need the name of a robe or tunic like dress that sounds like your lower legs got some sun and uh and a type of and a type of uh conveyance built for two i don't think i know the name of the dress but tan calf tandems tan no uh 
You've got you've got all the pieces. You have all the pieces right it's, there. It's not tan. It's uh, tan. It is tan. You've tan. Got... <laughs> it's just it's just where you put calf. It's just where you put calf. Calf tan. Calf tan tandem. Yeah, calf tandem bikes. Yeah, calf tandem. you see what I did there? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. It's a calf tan. Is a flowy <laughs> robe like dress. I didn't know that. That's something I learned today. I, I learned it when I was putting this together. I had no idea what a caftan was. I wrote this backwards and then looked up what a caftan was and was like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, yeah. And then and then I decided that it was too hard to describe really what it is. So your lower legs got some sun. Uh, great. You got four points for I see what you did there. You're sitting at 17 points right now. Oh, you're so generous. And there's so much show left to go. Uh, I mean, you would something would have to go horribly wrong for you to be killed at this point. Um, just I'm, I'm still just running. Off. I'm still running. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, you got to stay ahead of him. Even if, even if you're feeling good, you don't want to just catch your foot on that on that tree root that's been recently uncovered by the rain. And then suddenly your lead's gone. Yeah, it could happen. <laughs> All right. Uh, round number three, John. Do you have a vague idea about cyclocross? Yeah, it's pretty vague, um, uh, but I could give it a try. Cyclocross is a discipline of racing that began, I want to say, like maybe the 1990s or so um, in Europe um, when uh, road racers you know, weren't racing their regular season, the, the temperatures in the winter um, and, you know, just the uh, ice and snow that kind of abounds um, in, you know, places like uh, Belgium um, and France sort of give birth to this like really competitive, but also super fun discipline where the stakes are kind of low um, crashes happen a lot because you take these like road bikes with drop handlebars and almost no tire clearance and jam like, um, you know, slightly wider tires in them. Um, and they, you know, the bikes get caked with mud and people are slipping and sliding all over the place. And, um, the riders take, you know, uh, open, um, you know, logger hand ups um and chug beers you know in the middle of the race races are usually short they're like you know an hour long um at the most um and are usually loops of the same track um like in a park um typically um and as the course sort of like gets torn up by the riders things get muddier and more slippery you know guys and bikes are just like covered and caked in mud and it's become like you know bona fide discipline and you know over the course of you know 10 or 15 years um manufacturers started building bikes specifically for this um you know that have enough clearance um to have you know a knobby tire on there um things are kind of kept to like um you know 33 millimeter tire now they're you know disc brakes and um there's single speed disciplines of cyclocross uh, but the idea that it was just sort of a fun thing to do a lot of people get their start um doing like you know recreational 
racing in that discipline just because of the low stakes nature and kind of boisterous attitude of you know the fans and i think it's a really inclusive thing for people to do compared with like road racing crashes and wrecks are like a lot less devastating than they are on the road um they don't set you back as much usually no sponsors in this either so you don't have that barrier to entry kind of thing yeah uh it's like you you hit everything except that it did start in like the beginning of the 20th century so they were doing them in belgium in like 1910 but uh, such a cool thing that that you basically are you're taking you're taking a road bike with fat tires and you ride on a course that's varied with like oh i'm on the i'm on street and now i'm on now i'm in the woods i'm on the grass and then the the variable here that sometimes there's just obstacles in the way so you have to get off the bike and carry it and like jump over something and then get back on the bike uh that that's all very cool like oh yeah i forgot about all that stuff for sure like just the varied nature of the course. It's not just mud, but it can be very fast, like on road and pavement, but it can also be stuff in your way and like having to get off the bike. Like, yeah. Which is such a fun, cool thing to be like, oh, hey, so I'm, I want to, I want a cycling race because I was able to carry my bike and run the fastest for this, like 50 <laughs> meters I had to, or whatever, totally. or even if like, just like to get over a fence, you know, or even just like to go up a hill that's steeper than anybody can pedal up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Cause they mentioned in here that like, sometimes it was just incredibly steep grades where it's like, no, the point here is, is you're supposed to get off and run because it's not going to work. Yeah, I think the the thing I've seen from cyclocross, like modern cyclocross is like less, you know, high speed is what I'm seeing. And like, it's all about like, what's the most ridiculous course you can, that you can write, uh, you know, that you can write, that you can do on like, you know, a skinny tire, fully rigid bike. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, it's almost video game level, because it's not because it's not to be confused with like BMX where it's, oh, there's a closed dirt course with jumps and stuff. This is like what it, you would buy like the the Nintendo Switch like cyclocross maker. And it would be like, oh, you can just put like a cow here and then people have to go over the cow. Uh, it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, the courses are ridiculous like that. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you two points, John. That was that was very well. See, the thing is, is you say vague every single time, but you know a whole shitload about all this. And I love it because uh, it's just it's it's fun to talk about this stuff with you. You know, this is just like this is just an incredible if I could mix my metaphors. This is an incredibly uh, soft pitch at me. And I'm just (laughs) it's it's like an alley-oop. And I'm just hoping hoping not to bang my head on the rim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a trampoline (laughs) that I've also provided. So you're you're getting extra height. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, round number four. Do you have a vague idea about the Kutamundra annual classic? No, I've never even heard of that. Not not at all? No. You, no. you, you want to make anything up about the Kutamundra annual classic? <laughs> oh, I forgot that's how this is played. Um, Kutamundra. No, I haven't got anything for it. I'm sorry. Okay. Hey, that that's all right. That's all right. Uh, you're going to lose. You're going to lose two points. I'm taking two points away from you. For not playing the game. I get yeah, it. Yeah, you're you're a quitter. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Kutamundra Annual Classic, which is also known as the Kuta Classic or the Kuta Annual, is a bicycle handicap race starting and finishing in New South Wales in the town of Kutamundra. 
So it's an Australian race. Uh, they first did it in 1955. It's held the last weekend in August, and it's one of the oldest open road races in New South Wales. Uh, so yeah, it's just kind of just kind of fun. Um, it sounds amazing. Like, what are the stats on that? What's the distance, or how do they? Uh, um, let's see. You said it's sort of like hand cycles, or like different like adaptive cycles. I'm so yeah. It's uh, it it's well, it's a bicycle handicap race. I don't know if that means that it's actually accessibility like, bikes or like if it handicap means... like the way a golf gets handicapped maybe it does yeah up until 2011 the course started in kutamandra traveled north to wallandbean to young along the olympic highway then turned south tra- this doesn't help uh, 120 kilometers long is how long okay. this race is yep. uh starting in 2011 they shortened it to 106 kilometers and the course refi- uh, resembles a figure eight that's centered on Kutamundra. You had uh, a local man from Kutamundra named Gary Crow holds the title for the most wins after taking the honors in 1968, 1975, and again in 1991 at age 50. So yeah, Australian cycling race. Pretty neat. I didn't realize, is Wales in Australia? I didn't well, know that. New South Wales is. New that's South the Wales. That's, oh, the, okay. that's where they yeah. get you. They're always dropping new on shit and then being like, oh, well, we can't come up with a new name you for a place. can keep up with this. I know. I know. It's not new. It's like 200 years old. It's Yeah, Wales is extremely old. And then New South Wales is also extremely old. So I don't know. At some point, yeah. At some point, these countries when need is, to age, right? When is New York going to drop the new? I know. Well, and I wish they would have just kept the New Amsterdam thing because I liked that better. It was New Amsterdam for a long time. Then we'd see those Dutch bikes all over town. But no, turned into didn't York. The, didn't the B-52s do that one? Did they? New yeah. Amsterdam or regular New, Amsterdam? When New Amsterdam, when New York used to be New Amsterdam. They oh, maybe. About that, I think. Okay. I like that. You know what? I'm going to give you a point. You have 18 points right now, John. You have 18 points. And now it's time to play our second game. Are you ready? Am I ever. This game is titled Bike Brand or Not. So I'm just going to name. I looked up a list. There are an insane number of bike brands, John. Did you know this? So many different people are making bikes. Just because it has a name on the down tube doesn't mean it's a bike. That's what I have to say. That's, see, the the gauntlet has been dropped. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going to tell us uh, th- there will be a correct answer here. Of course, some of these play- people are actually claiming to make bikes. And then, but I want you to tell me if you know whether they're bikes or not, because maybe, okay. they're, not. Yeah, maybe, maybe cha- they're trash. This is a challenge. Maybe this they're trash. Is, I, I think this is a challenge that's worthy. I like it. All right. Okay. Uh, number one, Brompton. Definitely a bike brand. Great. Uh, what do you know about? Like, they make folding bikes. They make actually kind of the greatest folding bike because it folds in two places, making three pieces that all stack together. And you can put this thing in a real small box. Like it's all made to telescope. It's not the lightest weight thing, although they do make titanium um, uh, versions of it. Um, They're braised in England um, and they make all their own parts pretty much. Like aside maybe from 
you know, maybe some shift component or some, you know, tires, things like that. Like everything is very Brompton specific. And they've been, the uh, this guy, I can't remember what his first name was, but Brompton designed this bike like 20, 30, 40 years ago, maybe now. And he's just been building the same thing over and over and sort of tweaking, refining the design, but essentially that same trifold design is still a thing it like wheels around you can use it like a like a shopping trolley in a store you can like take them right up to the um right up to the gate you can like pedal through some like airports and like put them on the plane and take them with you like bromptons are kind of they're dorky they're really freaking dorky but like they do a job that almost no other bike does as well as that and it's so amazing to think you could just like fly somewhere and then just like pedal out of the airport and like you know you have your transportation when you get there um they're amazing little machines they're pretty cool that's very cool yeah yeah i think like any folding bike that i've ever seen does not look cool it doesn't it's not like the kind of bike we're like wow i really want to ride that it's like oh that thing gets you around but at the same time holy shit if it's done well and it does the job like you're not there for, for looks all the time. Right. Like if you could, if you could fold a, a car up or something, it would, that would be a, an astonishing achievement. And this, this certainly is. Yeah. It's a pretty, um, pretty good example of like excellent British design. I think most people would think it's kind of silly, but I think they do a nice job with it. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, you're correct. Number two, Kestrel. Yeah. That, is is or kind of was a bike brand i think they've sort of fallen off recently um they were making their own um carbon fiber bikes i want to say like like 1990s like as early as like carbon was being made for bikes um and they were doing these really kind of wild aerodynamic things before like aerodynamic was like really you know like all founded in the wind tunnel and all this um and um then it was purchased by like the group that has uh, um, or that had a performance bike along with, and it was like under the heading with Fuji and I can't remember what that conglomerate's name is, but since performance went out of business, um, Kestrel, I think is gone the way of the Dodo, but like their stuff got real pedestrian and very like mass market, like, you know, in the modern era, but like, you know, of the last like, you know, 20, 30 years ago, they were doing some good, like carbon stuff. Yeah. Cause they're old. I mean, their old sort of thing was like that they were for dedicated cyclists. Like they were designing something meaningful, I guess that, that was as much as I was able to gather, but yes, they are. They, they were a brand. And uh, how do you feel about them going away? Does it bum you out or do you care? I don't care as much. I think that brand went away a long time ago and then it was sort of just another logo for a down tube. Sure. Okay. So, yeah. 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 It's a cool, it's a cool name. Kestrel is a great name. It is a, it's a type of it's bird. kind of bird, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know what kind of bird birds are like off. They often figure into, you know, bike brands. It's all about, it's all about that aerodynamics. People want to feel free like a bird. That's what it feels air moving like through their hair. Yeah. I tell people that it's like flying, but I'm like this far off the ground. Yeah. That's so that's how it always feels for me when I ride my bike. It's great. It's great. It's a it's a liberating experience. Yeah. All right. Uh, number three, Von Dutch. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think that's right. I don't know if you said it right. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure Von Dutch is a thing. Um, uh, my buddy had one. They did like cyclocross bikes. Um, is it Von Dutch? It's Von. It's kind of ringing a bell. I might be thrown off. I think it's something else. It's yeah. It's not. It's Von Dessel or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I don't think Von Dutch is a thing. Yeah, Von Von Dutch is those uh, those horrible <laughs> trucker hats that became popular in the yeah, early two like, thousands. <laughs> Uh, but but yes, Von Dessel is uh, a type of bikes, <laughs> and that's why I threw that one in there to to mess with you. But you uh, you 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 figured it out. You snuck around me. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, huh? What? <laughs> wait a minute! Wait a minute! She's got to get those. Got to get those horrible trucker hats. Uh, you know, Ashton Kutcher and uh, punking is that people. That was? Yeah, he was punking people. He was wearing a Von Dutch hat. He was punking people. I don't trust anybody in a Von Dutch hat. No, I don't, you should. You should not. It's dangerous. Those are dangerous people. We should uh, bring it back. <laughs> Yo, I mean, we probably could. I'm sure the, the 90s are back. So so it follows that that would be popular again very soon. Yeah. 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 Along, along with belly shirts, right? Belly shirts and Von Dutch hats. They're 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 doing it like do you see what do you see what the young people are wearing now it's all like yeah it's It's, just it's stuff sort of an interesting mashup of the night it is yeah because it's it's current styles but also like yeah but but there's still like 60 it's It's doing the thing where it's with mom jeans right because the (laughs) 90s were referencing the 60s yeah so you're getting the high-rise jeans of the 60s or 70s even or 70s yeah and and uh, yeah Uh, i mean here's the thing everything's collapsing on itself because we live in a, a strange confluence of time and space. It's the post-truth era, you know, I'm it is, <laughs> there is, there is no now there is only all of the perspectives of uh, what was well, that's true. No boundary, mm-hmm. no boundary between now and then. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's dark stuff, but it's great. Number four, John sub Rosa sub rosa is that a type no, is that a bike that's brand a day rosa is what you mean is that See, what i mean onto your game is that what i mean day rosa i know a day rosa i don't think i know a sub rosa i thought there was a sub rosa but yeah de- not, i mean day rosa is a thing though. there, You're there not are wrong. probably there are probably many rosas out there like that's probably like a really common motif but um the one i know is d-e-r-o-s-a yeah I see the 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 De Rosa are nice bikes. So the Sub Rosa yeah. I was thinking of, they make uh like four hundred dollar BMX bikes. It it's possibility. I don't. I'm not familiar with that one though. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was a uh, it was a thing. So okay, no yeah. point on that one. No point on that one. But you still got three points. You're currently at twenty one, John. You're gonna live. You're gonna live. I don't okay? know. If you keep taking points away from me. I mean, there's there's a couple of there's a couple of sections of the show left. So I guess a lot could happen. You're only one point into safety. If you keep playing games with me, I may not make it. If I keep playing games with your heart. <laughs> <laughs> and now from the makers of Pomme and Pomme de Terre, it's La Chose Francaise Arbitraire. That's the arbitrary French thing. And the only thing that's French about it is the name. So John, here's my completely arbitrary question for you. We started this podcast together. And I want to know, what was your favorite part of it, if there even was one? <laughs> uh, my favorite part of it was, uh, oh, man, there's a lot of good parts. You can make me choose a favorite. I mean, you can you can list multiple parts. You can do a top five. I don't I, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be a favorite. But, you know, I mean, I love spending time with you guys. 
And if I remember right, it was kind of my idea. It was like partly my idea, this show. Oh yeah. Yeah. You were, you were playing the soundboard. That was like, we had the gag that we would hang out at the snug in the basement waiting to do trivia. It was just sort of like, you know, the show is just us like, you know, shooting the shit and like hanging out. That was the, that was the thing. And that's, that's what I enjoyed about it. Yeah. 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 Um, used to we used to do we used to do the fart soundboard where you would just hit the you'd hit the button and I would say fart fart <laughs> we did that we did that for a long time that was a good joke we recorded some of the first episodes in the basement of the Irish Snug while people were <laughs> funneling in and uh, and the wait staff was I, I don't think that excited about it I've really liked meeting all those people. Oh, like, yeah. you know, I don't remember how many shows we recorded. I might have been on, what, 20 of them or something. I like, feel like you, I feel like you were on many. at least like 30 or 40. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but like just all the people that were, you know, your friends. I can't believe how many like smart and like talented and super funny people you knew and you still know. And like, I've been very lucky to meet some good people. You, you included you, you especially. Well, I was I was happy to feel like included in that. I'm like proud of the show. I think it's pretty neat. I think the only thing that was hard for me was sort of this sort of like public aspect and thinking about myself, you know, in that way. It's sure. Like, that's a challenge for me. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like I don't do social media. Like I've like canceled all my accounts and like, and I'm happy that way. So. It's the idea that every week you would be featured on a show where you would have to have opinions about things and, totally. and, like you can and be as loud as me on the internet and it's yeah. going to be on this show. Like, you know, and you can hear me, you know, talking about, uh, you know, works of art as though they were real things and stuff like that. I don't know. It's, it's just a little bit like, I guess the vulnerability is a good thing, but yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely like it was a, it, it I, I think the comfort zone was pushed most for you probably it was it's hard that's, for me that's it's a lot hard. of thing and and yeah. yeah i mean and i and i appreciate you coming to do it to do this because it's even like it's just fun to hang out and and do another show with you and like i i feel i feel very proud about what we created this was this this has been a very cool ride to have something like this that's like it's it's kind of always going to be there until I stop paying for hosting and then it'll just disappear and it'll only exist on my computer or on the the various flash drives that I have all of my shit stored on. Certainly some web crawler has already like picked it up and stored it away. Somewhere, yeah, there's got to right? like, yeah, there's got to be somebody <laughs> who's like duplicating RSS feeds for the for the end times. We, we right. have to send the aliens something eventually. Right. And shouldn't it be us? Yeah, I want to be. I want to be on the next gold record that goes. What if, <laughs> that leaves the solar system? What if we are the alien? I mean, that's that's more plausible, honestly. It would make more sense that we're the aliens, and that's why no one's coming to visit us because it's our job to go visit people, but we're so self-absorbed that we're just going to kill ourselves instead. Hold on, are you trying to say something? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, am I? Yeah, I think you're making some commentary. About being on, self-absorbed and not going to visit other people. <laughs> oh no, no! I mean, like as 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 humans. Like, yeah, no, I know. We're uh, we're not good at uh, coming together. I'm to, just saying it's a, a familiar story. Like uh, that's like the human thing right now. Like we're all just a bunch of ego monsters. Yeah, I mean we've 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 designed a beautiful system of communication that you have opted out of very wisely. That makes it easy to be uh, kind of self-involved little monsters so 
Yeah, I think uh, I think the the most fun that I've had with this, uh, especially when you were on the show, was that I feel like we had a really fun dynamic that I'm always being me, who is is going to be kind of loud and whatever and lead the thing. And you were you were so many times filling in this really excellent like straight man or even playing like a grumpy character because you're not like a grumpy person, but it was great that you could be like, I I don't have anything to say about that. (laughs) It's just like, I'll just, I'll just go get my best Paul Schaefer glasses and put those on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) just, just to give like, cause it was, cause it's all just about like having a fun energy where everybody's sort of playing off of each other. And I think that that was, that was a lot of fun. No, it's fun. It's fun to like learn to sort of riff with, um, with you. Obviously you have like, you know, a kind of mastery of language that makes like the things that you say, funny and kind of smart all the time and every once in a while i felt like 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 i kind of uh you know achieved that and when that happens it's super fun so like i know why you do it like (laughs) i feel like i'm like after having done that with you you know over the 10 years or whatever that like i'm a little more fun like in those ways with other people that's uh i noticed it at work and stuff like that you know like and it's just a matter of like practicing, you know, my, my whole shtick is literally like observing what's going on and finding a funny way to comment on it. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's totally. all I've got. Yeah. I have nothing else. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. But it is, uh, yeah, it can be fun. It's a good, it's a, it's a cheap way to become the life of a situation, I guess, is to just pay attention. Oh, and, totally. And Talk chime in. Cheap. I'm always just like throwing pot shots over my shoulder. Like, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just I mean, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> just, Dude, I got, I got, I got thousands of these. Just I'll be a total ham. It doesn't even matter. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give you two points, John. Two points for La Chose Francais Arbitraire. You have 23 points right now. You're sitting pretty. You're sitting pretty. We're going into the final topic. There's only one more round. One more. That's just, it. Just one more round. That's it. We've been moving. We've been moving rather swiftly, but we're doing great. We're doing great. The final topic. How, how do you feel? Do you feel like you're going to be, you, you feel like you're going to be solid on this? What you want like a meta prediction? Yeah. Like, yeah. Give me like, get, get inside your own head and then think about all of the things that I could ask about for the final topic. And then tell me uh, sort of from a sports analytical standpoint, how you think you're going to perform. If this is about you and your dad's bike, I'm probably <laughs> going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you that. It's not going to be about me or my dad's bike, uh, <laughs> though. That would have been. That would, that have, would been have been genius. hilarious. To yeah. be like, hey, I need you to t- talk to me about the bike. What's that you What's the my satellite dad. on your dad's bike? Yeah, <laughs> that would be. That would be. I'd be like, well, absurd. I would say, well, is it the satellite that that I measured or the one he ended up with? Right. See, and that's the safe bet. That's the safe bet because because uh, you don't have control after it leaves the shop. You Talking can't do anything. Shots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, the final topic, John, is Eddie Merckx. If I'm pronouncing that right, am I pronouncing Eddie that right? Merckx. Yeah. Great. Merckx. Eddie Merckx. That's M E R C K X. Eddie Merckx. I don't do you have a vague his... idea. I know. I have a very vague idea. Like. If my friends hear this, they're probably gonna like disown me. Cause like in a way, like Eddie Merckx is like 
like the like he's like kind of the last guy you can kind of look up to um he was he was a, a road road bike racer i want to say like 70s 80s and i think they called him the cannibal if i'm not mistaken they did call him the cannibal they, yeah. they called him the cannibal um yep. Yep. and he had like an amazing um just kind of brutish way about riding a bike he could beat you a million kinds of ways. Like he could out outpower you, but he could outsmart you too. Like he had this way of like, uh, I don't even know like what his record is. Like I'm sure he won like a number of like Tour de France's and stuff like that. But like the thing that stands out is just like his persona is so larger than life. Like the things I know about him are kind of interesting. Like a, a, the way that he would like race and ride in the... Um, in the peloton he would like watch the way the wind was blowing and the way the grasses like fell over in order to always be in the you know in the shadow of another person's wake and he would make you work for it like at every every pedal stroke He, he also said um he said that you know your bike should have have clean handlebars but a worn in saddle and that that's like the kind of thing that always stuck with me. Um, I I don't know. He's he's sort of larger than life. Like he's kind of from an era in which he was probably doping, but like it wasn't enough of an investigation to ever be able to like accuse him of it. So he kind of stands out in a crowd um, where everybody who came after him is sort of like up against Merckx's records. But everything after then was like in this sort of post like doping, like scandalism. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's something like kind of like larger than life. I think he's a, I think he's a, um, I think he's a Belgium guy and, you know, he's got his own bike brand. Like after he kind of made it big, um, he was, you know, developing steel bikes and you can still buy a Merck's branded bike, which are, um, these brutish, super stiff, like, you know, super race performance things. I don't know. I don't know that much about him, but you, you know, quite a bit. Yeah. He, he's, he is Belgian. He's still with us. Uh, he was born in June of 1945 and he is 77. Eddie Merckx has 11 grand tour victories. So five tours of France, <laughs> five tours of Italy and a tour of Spain. Uh, he has uh, all five monuments, setting the hour record and three world championships. And uh, yeah, Cannibal. And uh, he raced primarily from the, uh, started in 1966 and raced pretty much up through like 75. Okay, 60, 70. So, so, so there's a good possibility that he wasn't doping in the doping sense, but he might've been taking amphetamines or something because that was pretty common. There in was always sports something in, that era. in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, people were smoking cigarettes and they were popping bennies and whatever. Like that was just what was going on. So who knows? But, but yeah, he, he's just like the, the picture of him on, on his wiki is like, he's just, he's just got like, He's got like a proto Elvis vibe going on. He's got the, the Hold on, you should show a photo of him like like in today's like cuz he's just as like stout as he was back then. Like he's just so like present day like, Eddie Merckx. I want to say like even as an old guy, he's like he's a presence. Yeah, I mean he he's still he's still looking he's still looking sturdy. Yeah. He's still doing it. Look, he's yeah. still doing it. 
you know, it's, it's just like, yeah, he's just sort of a specimen and he is, he's like, he's, he's the, the Michael Jordan of cycling, right? He like, oh, he did it all. The, oh, I was going to say that he sort of like, I was, I just remembered like, uh, it said that he probably had a leg length discrepancy because he would get off his bike in the middle of a, of a race to adjust the saddle height. And he would go up and down like a, you know, a matter of a couple, three millimeters. Oh, wow. And he could never find his, you know, right saddle height. And later on, they sort of analyzed it and said that maybe that was the reason. So he might have just been like also playing with a very specific sort of like uh, disruptive body type. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the thing the other thing he said is that it's better you know, to like, if you can love racing in a situation when other people would hate it, you're going to beat them. And it was sort of like this thing, like if you can ride in the wind and the rain and the brutal cold and enjoy and thrive there, like that's how you're going to beat them. That was like the kind of writer he was. Well, it seems like what, what you had said before that he would like track the, the way the grass was moving and figure out how to like force people to work. (laughs) to pull him along and to t- and to do drafting and things like that. Like you just have to have a kind of supernatural connection to the physics of the situation. Like some athletes just have that. It's really cool to see, right. That someone can be in uh, whatever basketball game, baseball, uh, hockey, uh, cycling, where they just see things in a way that is so completely different from the way everyone else sees them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the guy. Right on. I'm going to give you four points because you knew a lot about him. You knew a lot about him. That means, John, you have 27 points. You are very safe from death, at least for today. You know, uh, we're all, uh, and, and I don't mean to take it away from you because I know you said, and we're all feeling it like, hey, eh, sooner is better than later, probably. Um, <laughs> but let's, we'll hold it off. We'll hold it off for another day. You know, if uh, I keep riding my bike, you know, it's, it's getting held off more and more probably. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. You're getting healthy uh, every time you pedal. Yeah. I get yeah. younger. Look at this. I know. I know you're, you're <laughs> literally, you're Benjamin buttoning before my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so John, congratulations. You have, you have won this episode. It's been a long time since you've won an episode. So here it is. You, you've won an episode of a vague idea. Do you have anything that you would like to plug? Oh, I forget I get to plug something. Yeah, plug something. Um, I would say uh, Strides Ballroom at the Turnverein on Wednesday nights. Okay, Strides Ballroom. Plug them, yeah. Great. So uh, what what do they do uh, there? So partner dancing, um, uh, you know, like they have, uh, you know, three different levels. They can teach you like basic ballroom steps. and it sort of rotates, you know, every month you do a couple different dances and then it uh, rotates every month. They say that like after, you know, a year of doing it, um, you're going to be pretty proficient out there. And uh, they do make it super fun and it's um, a really nice thing to do for your partner. Uh, I think guys uh, could maybe, uh, you know, stand to learn to dance if their partner's into it. It's uh it's yeah. not like the worst thing in the world when you're embarrassed or frozen or don't know what to do. Like, you know, you're just dancing. And as long as you keep trying, like she'll just smile at you. And it's, it's super fun. 
Yeah, it's like a cool activity that uh, it, it's you're, you're, you're really I mean, you're just you're doing something to support somebody else. And also, you're probably going to enjoy it a little bit. Oh, it, and it just like builds your, you know, your relationship so well, I think, like without overselling it, like, you know, there's all this communication and like, you know, the body movement and then the sort of way it organizes your brain and gets you to listen to the music. Like there's a lot of stuff going on there. It's kind of cool without, you know you know, getting too sucked into the dorkiness of the whole thing. But yeah, no, I mean, you, you made it, you made it sound pretty hot, John. You got the body movements. We got the communication. It's Mm. good. It's good. That's sensual. That's some sensual stuff. Strides ballroom. Strides ballroom. All right. Listeners, if you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate and review it wherever you, wherever you get your podcasts. That really helps us out. Uh, You can also listen to the music of Michael J. O'Connor, michaeljoconnor.bandcamp.com. He wrote the theme song that's pretty cool i would also like you to check out spaceboy books read spaceboy.com got lots of good science fiction and other reissues and uh, other just books of different genres because we can do it all john thank you so much for being on thank you for doing this thank you thanks for writing an episode just for me I hell yeah that. i am glad that I got to I got to bask in your knowledge about all of these things where even when you were like, I don't really know much about it. And it's like, you know, way more than I would have known if I hadn't looked it all up. So uh, just really cool. I, I it's it's really always fun to see what people know about. I think that's one of the most to go back to my earlier question. That's one of the most exciting parts about being the host is like, what do people really know about? And on the rare occasion that I managed to write a show that actually captures that, it's it's really enjoyable. That's awesome. Uh, I'm glad you see it that way. We have all had a vague idea about bicycles this week. And that's a good thing because the devil is in the details. Bye-bye. Bye. A Vague Idea is written and produced by me, Nate Rigoli, and sometimes John Peros. Information about topics often come from Wikipedia. So, hey, why not donate a bit to that? Sound effects are Creative Commons Public Domain. If you like this podcast, tell a few people and subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen. And if you happen to like reading science fiction, check out the small press I started with my friend Sean Grokowski. You can find Spaceboy books at readspaceboy.com.